Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm Robert Brining, joined by my lovely assistant, right? <laughs> lovely assistant. A lovely assistant. You like that? I, 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 find this... I have been downgraded from co-host to I'm assistant. kidding. No. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, how are you? How was your great anniversary? Oh, my God. It was wonderful. We went to Charleston, South Carolina, and it was just lovely. I, we, we both fell in love with the town, and, and we just it, it was just lovely. We missed you last week, definitely. Did you? Yeah, definitely. Dab actually filled in Wednesday for Jack and then Sunday for you, so they got a double shot of Dab this week. <laughs> well, Last there's week, so wrong it was with cool. that. Yeah, it was That's very cool. Hot. <laughs> so, um, how many years is it that you celebrate it? Two years. Ooh. Ooh, I know, two. What is that? I, I'm, the first year's paper, is this the wood anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a pencil. <laughs> exactly. Got a pencil. Thanks. Wow. So a, a lot's been happening actually um, <clears throat> since you were here last. Um, we redesigned the website, I think, since the last time you were on. Yep. Um, and made it a little bit more user friendly and easier on the eyes. And <clears throat> we actually will be switching over. This is um, the last Sunday where it'll just be me and you. Jack will be joining us now on Sundays coming October. Oh my gosh! I know. Can you imagine the three? So of us? we'll definitely be a handful then. <laughs> But I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. You know, it'll 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 jazz it up a bit. <laughs> I think it will absolutely. Yeah. So um, oh, tonight God. we have um, one of our our members of Pause I Am. His name is Brian Bingston, and he is an HIV positive poet. And um, <clears throat> he's going to come on and talk about his books. He actually has uh, two books out, and he's about to release a third. Uh, the first book was actually called. <laughs> you ready for this? Let's see. What was it called again? Gay Some Assembly Required. I love that. And it was published in 1995. And he currently has a a book out um, that's entitled First Chill. And that can be found on Amazon.com and Barnes & Nobles. Or you can click the little um, picture of his book on the radio show page at www.blogtalkradio backslash pause.im. And you can purchase it directly right there to Amazon. It takes you right to the link. Um, And and he's releasing a new one. (laughs) And and I, this is totally not along the lines of, of what we're going to be talking about, but I have to get this out of the way right away. Can I just okay. tell you that Brian has the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen? <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, they are nice. Gorgeous eyes. Okay, Brian, sorry. I had to get that out before you got online, on the air because otherwise <laughs> I'd make a fool of myself. But I just, just to let you know, you have the most beautiful blue eyes. There. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sure I saw the I, I saw his picture. I'm like, my God, he's just he's captivating. He's just so I just just so you know, I'm I'm lusting for you a little bit, Brian. So when when he comes on, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll keep it in check. But I got to tell you, yes, I, I believe he is partnered. So yeah, well, he, that, he's so you're both spoken for. So exactly, <laughs> I, I'm just telling saying he's got the most gorgeous eyes. I could, he is. I, I'm sitting here staring at his picture right now. <laughs> he is also an actor and a playwright. He actually um, did a one-man show in a theater in New Orleans called The Cross Space for four and a half years. He was the poetry editor of the New Voice Nebraska, and the um, the show uh, was just, called what was the name of the show? It, isn't it, it, it okay? The New Voice of Nebraska, right? Besides Children of the Corn. <laughs> You know, sorry, Brian, but I'm I'm poking a little fun at you there. But no, that's one of the things that he talked about earlier today was that that a lot of people don't talk about like the middle of you know the country being infected with HIV. It's always California and, and New York, like the coasts. Yeah, it's so. true. It's 
true. He's out in Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska, and, and I've been there. Yeah, is it I've nice? been to Omaha. Are you what there? What did you do there? Uh, what did I do there? Oh, my um, ex, his brother lives in Omaha. My brother huh. was stationed out there in the Air Force, so, yeah, been there a couple times. <laughs> well, that's cool. Actually, we have Brian here on the line, so let's bring him on. Hey, Brian, welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Well, hello. Well, how hello. are you? Uh, Oh, oh he's, he's he's got a really sexy voice to go with those eyes. Okay, now I'm. This is. This well, thank is, you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm I can't speak now. I'm speechless. Jeremy's behaving oh. badly. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, 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 Brian. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> what a welcome that was. Uh, <laughs> Good thing my other half is listening downstairs. <laughs> oh, good. See, this, yeah. g- this should give you yeah. a, give them a boost. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. our other hats are listening. Yeah, he says. <laughs> all of our other hats are listening in the other room, That's I think, right, right now. I think all of them are. Yeah, well, no, mine is, and I think he's in there watching the invasion, you know, with that the invasion of the Body Snatchers remake. Anywho, um, <laughs> Brian, uh, thanks for, for coming on and um, and doing the show with us tonight. Um, we're in rare form this evening, I guess you could say. Um, what um, you, you obviously, you know, we talked a little bit about you before you came on. Um, first, I want to talk about when you were diagnosed, because you've been living with HIV for 17 years, right? Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was diagnosed on May 17th. 1992, so that's about 17 years. Um, I know the day because it happened a few days after my birthday, so it's kind of like you know, One of the you get that last, the, yeah, that last little gift. That <laughs> keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I prefer the term terminal cuties, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I, I'm using that. And how old were you at the time, Brian? I was 27, yeah, yeah, so I'm 43 now, oh my God. <laughs> I just did yeah, that math. Seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh my God. So, so and what was it like for you when you were diagnosed? Was it something, you know what I mean, obviously something that's shocking, but like, can you talk just a little bit about how you got, walked through it, basically? Um, well, right before I tested, I was living in New Orleans, and um, I was getting really uh, really sick a lot with a lot of strange things, and um, I had gotten a couple of tests taken there, and they were um, negative, but I still kept getting sick. So what I think I had was a, a few false negatives, mm-hmm. which could, yeah, and when I moved um, back here to the wonderful land of Omaha, Nebraska, um, I got I caught some bug that was so bad I couldn't even keep water down, and that's when I finally, you know, said something's wrong. And I went to our local ASO, the Nebraska AIDS Project, and um, finally got a positive reading. So I kind of knew it was coming up because I, you know, my I've been pretty, I guess, in touch with my body, and I knew, knew that you know something wasn't feeling right. So I kind of handled it with humor. I was making jokes, you know. Um, they asked me if I wanted to do a partner notification program, and I told them they better warm up the photocopier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or maybe we should just take out a yeah, maybe we should just take out a billboard, and that probably like make it easier for everyone concerned. <laughs> <laughs> just notify the phone book. Yeah, that's what they so, do. <laughs> so you know, I think the biggest problem that I've had over the years is um, kind of accepting the fact that it's an individual disease that, you know, there can be people with two T-cells, you know, running marathons, and me, I've got great T-cells and uh, undetectable viral load, but um, I suffer every side effect from any medication I take. Mm. So I've got severe peripheral neuropathy. Um, When I was 35, um, I... They diagnosed me with um, osteoporosis, which 
what's happening to a lot of people who are first taking the protease inhibitors. Right. And yeah, and so I, they told me I had the bones of a 90-year-old man. Oh. I yeah, I had tripped over um, a cord while vacuuming, shattering my wrist. So. Ooh. Oh my. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The guy in the emergency room, my doctor in the emergency room, I could hear him outside saying, how old is this patient? <laughs> so I didn't know whether or not to, you know, look real stupid. Or <laughs> but, you know, or suddenly try to make myself look a lot older. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's been about the main problem with me is the, you know, the side effects. Um, you know, my partner is also positive and you know he's not having any problems with the medications so and that's great for him i'm really happy you know there's a part of me that's a little jealous but so you were diagnosed in 95 92 92 okay yeah so i was diagnosed before the um before protease inhibitors came on the scene i'm with you okay where did i get 95 oh that was your book yeah, <laughs> I want to pay attention time. somewhere in there. Um, so my first book. Yep. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, my first book was published in '95. That's that's where the '95 was sticking in my head. So, yeah. that, which leads me into my question. Um, so mm-hmm. three years between. So you had three years really between your diagnosis and your first book being published. Tell us about mm-hmm. that transformation, about, you know, going from this HIV-positive diagnosis to publishing a book. Um, hmm. I've always, I don't, I've been writing poetry um, pretty much ever since I um, started puberty. I was one of those kids that scribbled out notebooks and would never let anyone read them and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> um, I, you know the type. Um, eventually I they do. became goth kids. Yeah. So... <laughs> So um, I kept, you know, um, writing, you know, up until um, this my diagnosis, and then my poetry changed a lot, and um, I was writing more about, you know, HIV issues um, rather than um, gay, what I called gay rites of passage, which was a, what I was mainly writing before then. I had written a poem. As an example, I'd written a poem called "Please Don't Call Me Chicken." Huh. Uh, yeah, because I always thought that was kind of a real derogatory term. Right. And uh, you know, and I was, I take, took a lot of guts to sneak into a bar. Um, so my poetry changed, and um, another local area poet um, was really into my stuff. I started writing um, a poetry page for a local um, gay and lesbian magazine here in Nebraska, um, called the New Voice of Nebraska. And this local poet um, hooked me up with a local publisher, and that's how my first book, um, Gay Some Assembly Required, um, was born. So Terrific. So so do you have anything that you would like to share with us from that first book? Um, yeah. I was going to read, um, if you want to... I have a a poem called Standing at the Edge of the Quilt, and I want to give a little bit of a preface to it. Okay. Um, Before the name's quilt got to be too big to go anywhere, um, sections of it used to come to Omaha every year, and I would never go. And everyone asked me why, and I said, for the same reason I don't want to go watch Philadelphia. And... um, they just never really understood. And so I wrote this poem to kind of explain it. And it's called Standing at the Edge of the Quilt. I can see the names each time I shut my eyes. Sometimes the symbol gets soft at all the proverbial edges when you see the volunteer guards at giant squares free while dancing on those off-white walkways that connect crack babies with aspiring drag queens and all the delicate kids who had to be careful playing outside with Nebraska farm boys who never thought this one time would count. I feel hollow, like the vacuum of air between strokes on the drum roll when they bring the quilt to rest in my hometown once a year. I close respectful eyes and use another bus stop 
in that flat frame of mind that doesn't see the glass half full, I question my time to join the tour. I think of who might attend my vigils with shaking hands, how many days may pass between the crumbling of topsoil and the folding of cloth. So I wait at the edge of the quilt, like the kid in the back of class watching captains choose teams. I watch the bodies dwindle down and wonder when my name will be called. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. That was beautiful. Um, thanks. <laughs> I mean, so that can you describe to us a little bit about your writing process? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of. There's a poet who's not around anymore named Amy Lowell, and um, she was known as the mother of modern day poetry. And she talks about, she would talk about how poets go, get into this kind of trance state where something will click and the poem just flows out of you. And that's about the way it is with me. Um, I'll hear something or I'll think of something and it just clicks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll get an idea for a poem. I'll start writing it. You know, sometimes the poem takes like five, ten minutes. Sometimes it may take two weeks. You know, um, right. I'm, I'm kind of an, orga- I guess, an organic artist in that way. Mm-hmm. You don't so I've never, Yeah, I don't. I've seen, I, you know, from editing a poetry page, um, I've seen forced poetry, and I've seen some really bad poetry uh, <laughs> that I had to keep my dog away from lest she touch it. And, uh, <laughs> He's a comedian, so, so. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of breakup poems when I was editing <laughs> Which I didn't really understand, you know. I I knew there was more to our people than just, you know, us breaking up. And <laughs> that's great. So, um, so you went from, and I and I'm putting a little chrono chronology here. You you yeah. went from uh, being diagnosed, mm-hmm. publishing this book of poetry, then right. to doing a one man show. No, the one-man show was in New Orleans. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So was that before all of this? Yeah, that was way before okay. all this. I had gotcha. A, I, had okay. a, yeah, I had a small theater in New Orleans called the Crawl Space Theater, and we were a theater without attitude. <laughs> you know, we were, we were, we, it was in our 20s, you know, so, and I'd written Young a play artist. called, yeah, <laughs> and I'd written a play called Fags in the Mall. <laughs> <laughs> I love the title already. <laughs> yeah, everyone loved the title. That was one of our biggest draws. <laughs> so, what was the play about? It was um, a coming out, my coming out story. Um, you know, being um, knowing that I, you know, the usual, you know, knowing that you were different. Um, me growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, thinking I was the only gay person here, um, which a lot of people, parts of the country, think, you know that when I introduce myself, that I'm the only gay person in Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) And I told him, no, there are are three of us. Um, (laughs) And the other two went off and started a bed and breakfast, so here I am. (laughs) Now, that's that's, that's humor. I love that. That's terrific. So, So, diagnosis, book, so what's been happening between your first book being published and now? And now I had another book published um, okay. called That's First Chill. <laughs> and then, yeah, and um, hopefully sometime next month, uh, my third book will be coming out um, called Lemonworth Street. Terrific. So, so um, First Chill, the mm-hmm. second book, and and. And, and again, these are all collections of poetry, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I haven't broken. Into, I, I haven't broken into any other field yet, but I've been. I've tried. So. <laughs> writing is is a talent, and and writing yeah. poetry is one of those talents that not everyone shares. Yeah, and um, you, know, you have to accept that you probably won't make it until you're dead. <laughs> Good God! So, kind of Brian, like, 
like, <laughs> like being an, uh, a you know a painter. You know, you're yeah. never really famous until you're dead. So yeah. <laughs> And, you know, there are very few living poets, you know, except for Maya Angelou. It's, right. You know, damn her. And, well, you know, you could have been a black disco queen, too, and then broke into poetry. Yeah, I could have done that, but... You know, you know I mean... <laughs> I'm pale, I glow in the dark, so... I'm from Nebraska. You're from Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> from Nebraska. So how is the um like the the AIDS education and HIV awareness and all that out in Nebraska? Cuz we were talking mm-hmm. earlier and you were saying how a lot of it, you know, a lot of, you know, the places seem to focus on either coast. Um what what's different living in Nebraska and being someone who's HIV positive? Um well, we have the University of Nebraska Medical Center, which is um a great teaching college and of medicine, and they get a lot of drug studies. Um, you know, there it's we have one of the, um, Dr. Susan Swindells, who's one of the world leaders in um, HIV and AIDS, and um, we also have a great ASO called the Nebraska AIDS Project, but they've had a lot of budget cuts lately. Um, so, like a lot of ASOs have, and yeah, you know, the money just doesn't. Um, isn't coming to us anymore because, you know, a lot of people think it's HIV and AIDS is, you know, a disease like diabetes or something. You know, we just take pills and then we're fine. Right. Um, you know, socially it's a little different here. Um, you know, socially we've got a lot of people who um, either won't tell or don't tell because um, they you know, our fear getting shunned by, you know, the rest of the community. So we've got a really high rate of people getting infected because, you know, um, because they're playing with partners who are positive and not saying anything or are playing with partners who don't get tested. Mm-hmm. So, and that's sad, you know, that people um, are that scared. And you know they, you know people are educated. They just um, feel that they don't want to be around it, and the reasons for it aren't very educated. So, so do you think that um, possibly your medium that you're you're working with poetry can mm-hmm. boost that awareness? I I, I hope so. Um, you know I. I I think a lot of my more powerful pieces that were written before um, protease inhibitors and, um, you know, I was writing a lot about people who were passing and the changes, you know, that were going on. Um, I compared, you know, um, HIV and AIDS to our, the Holocaust and... Yeah, jumped on me for that. So, because I think who, that is kind of jumped on you for that. No one has jumped on me for that. So wow. I guess it was. So I guess it was a fair. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I can't think of the word right now. Comparison. But, yeah. <laughs> a poet lost for words. <laughs> oh, it happens. <laughs> Not very often, but it does happen. It does happen. It does happen. <laughs> Poetry like a, a tool for you, a therapeutic to get through. Like, did it help you get through like being a gay man in Omaha and then then becoming an HIV positive? Like, did it help you move forward? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it helped me accept myself more. Excuse me while I'm throwing a cat out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we don't hear that very often on air. <laughs> I want you to close your eyes and picture what he just did. Was that a metaphor or a real cat? So, and I'll leave it up. It to was. Yeah, it was a real cat. Oh, you have two of them, don't you? Yeah, I do. And, and a, yeah, and a dog. 
odd. And yes, of course, we refer to them as children. Yep. We have to keep that. <laughs> we just have to keep that image up too. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you gotta have the cat yeah. from the dog. Yeah. Yes, and um, pretty things all string yeah, about. Things, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but back to um, whether or not my poetry helped me. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. Back, back to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it, I think it helped me a lot. I think it helped people understand what um, I was going through. I think it also helped people who are also um, positive kind of understand, you know, what's going on with them and it helped them identify with, um, you know, that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my most positive pieces, some of the most positive feedback I've gotten has been on my um, HIV positive, um, you know, poems and things like that. Do you have another one that you'd like to share? Sure. Okay. Hi, because I've got tons. Oh, he's um, got <laughs> yeah, I've got the book. I don't know any of them by memory, but I have books. So um, <laughs> let's see. There's a form of poetry called a villanelle, which is um, rhyming. It's like A B A, those kind of things. And it's uh-huh. the only it's the only kind of rhyming poetry I actually like to do. Because um, if you can write the last two lines, you've got almost half the poem written. So. Right. So this one's called "If People Ask." Um, and it's from um, um, the first book as well. I'll bang my drum slowly, walk in their line, follow the advice those free pamphlets give. If people ask questions, tell them I'm fine. I'll pigeonhole my life, watch for the signs, give no reason to ask how I can live. I'll bang my drum slowly, walk in their line, try to accept its all state of mind, no past to look back on or wounds to heal. If people ask questions, tell them I'm fine. Bow to the strangers for being so kind. Tell them it's my chance to learn how to feel. I'll bang my drum slowly, walk in their line. Show them that their lives all could have been mine, except the excuses they all seem to give. If people ask questions, tell them I'm fine. Follow the numbers and check off the time and cherish the dream that I will still live. I'll bang my drum slowly, walk in their line. If people ask questions, tell them I'm fine. That was nice. Well, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) You just, you have this, again, I'm going to say it once again. Poetry, ladies and gentlemen, to all of our listeners that are listening, poetry is a talent that not everyone can share. Brian is talented. You're very talented. So, so thank you for sharing this with us. Oh, pishaw. <laughs> See, it's his eyes, it's his words, it's the whole thing. You know, <laughs> he's got the whole package. Um, but that's what they say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my lord. Oh lordy. I'm getting hot in here. I need a drink. Um, <laughs> so right about now, we should probably open the lines and allow people to call in. <laughs> Just in case you would like to uh, share, um, you know, ask maybe Brian a question or share maybe your own poetry with us or make a comment on oh, one of the yeah. poems that he read. Um, the phone number to call in is 347-215-9442, and you can give us a call right now. Um, Brian, you want to read another one? Yeah, Sure. Um, let me see. Let me find one from the second book. Um, this one is called, I had it set up, um, Neuropathy. And mornings come too early, and I walk on shattered glass. Each step shoots through my feet like daggers flung from the bushes to catch some wanderer off guard. My legs shake like saplings caught in the full force winter breeze. I watch my knees struggle to bend like rusting hinges. My bones must be gnarled wood. My fingertips hold on to the cold with an invisible tingle that lingers long after I've shut the front door. My hands become caught in an unseen ember as they curl with a glistening silence. 
That's all too familiar. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is your third book that's coming out, is that also going to be a book of poems? It's a book of poems, um, some HIV-related, um, more um, about Nebraska. Leavenworth Street is a street in Nebraska, in Omaha, I'm sorry. And I wound up um, living near it or on it most of my life. So um, that's where where the title comes from. I was curious. So, yeah. so you know, you're you're documenting your um, your journey through these yeah. through these poems. I try and, to. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm successful. Sometimes I'm not. Or at least I don't <laughs> think I am. So, do you have? I, I mean, obviously, there's probably many, many pieces that didn't make it to the books. Right. Um, so, how do you decide um, what gets in and what doesn't? What's your editing process? Um, I have. Sometimes I have friends read poems. Um, sometimes I go by feedback. Um, in the beginning, I went by feedback from readings that I did. Um, I also went by feedback from what I would publish in the um, poetry pages mm-hmm. that I would edit. You know, I also had some great editors who told me which poems worked and which ones didn't. So I help so, all around. Excellent. And if, that's great. So in, in each of your books, do you have... Um, because I haven't had an opportunity to read them yet. Um, do you have an end story in line that you want to convey? Like, a, do you have a theme throughout the books, or are they just really a compilation? They're really a compilation. Um, they cover all sorts of subjects. You know, I try to be as varied a poet as I am. I don't want to be a one-trick pony. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, my idol is Tom Gunn. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. No, I'm not. He's a well, gay poet, and I don't know if you'd even call him a gay poet, but he's a poet who's written gay subjects. He wrote a wonderful book-length poem called The Man Who Gets Night Sweats, um, which I've always loved. And, you know, he also writes classical poetry that you would see, you know, in any... Um, you know, classroom. Mm-hmm. So he's he's just very he's like you know one of um, someone that I've looked up to. You know, another favorite writer of mine is Neil Gaiman. So, and he's a writer. Um, he wrote the comic book Sandman. So, oh, yeah, I'm okay. one of those. Yeah, I'm one of those geeks that collects comic books and action figures, too. (laughs) Well, I collect Wonder Woman, so... Hey. You know? I have a a wall of Wonder Woman, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, I almost have a room. I have one whole wall full of Wonder Woman stuff. Yeah, it's really kind of sad, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I have a a room of... Comic books and Transformers. So, <laughs> All wait, right. a minute. wait a minute. I got a room of gnomes. <laughs> I hope you all. Yeah, gnomes? He, he, yeah, gnomes does Trump. <laughs> I comic so. Yeah, that's that that yeah. Trump. Your Transformers and certainly Trump's Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Now wow. we just need someone with a house full of Hummel figurines, and then we're all set. Uh. <laughs> So, so you're you're getting ready to publish the third, all right? And uh, do you have anything that you would like to share from the third book? Um, yeah, I have a real give I, a little teaser. Yeah, I'm gonna give. This is a little teaser. This is um, it's called a love. It's called love poem, and I don't write many of those. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Chris. So, yeah. <laughs> So I, um, it's very, it's very short. I wish you really knew how my heart screams itself raw and gasping for you, 
or what it thinks you are. Even though it can cry out and sometimes even sing, my heart has no eyes and only goes by what I tell it. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Do you read poetry to your partner every night before bed? <laughs> um, no, but now that you've said that out loud, he's going to request it. I would make that a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> My luck, I would be read, you know, Dr. Seuss or something. You know? Yeah. Pop on pop, that kind of stuff. I, I wouldn't mind being, getting Dr. Seuss read to me before I went to bed. I might actually go to bed at a decent time. <laughs> That's grand. So, yeah. so what's next? What's next for you besides the third book um, that's, um, that's getting ready to be published? I, I'm going to keep trying to break into comic books, um, which is another lifelong dream. But Writing and, them yeah. or, or drawing? Writing or all them. of it. You know, so I'm collecting. I'm, you know, slowly collecting um, rejection letters from that area. <laughs> but you just write them, right? You don't draw them. Yeah. No, I can't. I might. They would if, if they had like superhero stick figures. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, I just do um, writing. I'm a, you know really stuck on the English language for some weird reason. And do you do, you do a lot of, um, go to a lot of places like Barnes and Nobles, like just as an example, and, and read your poetry? Do you have like a, uh, an event coming up that you'll be? Yeah. Are there, um, once the book is actually out, I'm going to be setting up some readings. Um, it's kind of hard to do, you know, until I have an actual set date or the book in my hand. But I have done things that, um, bookstores and coffee shops around here and in our, um, our capital city, Lincoln, Nebraska, um, which is just as jamming as it is in Omaha. And <laughs> so, you know, so so if you guys want me to do a reading when the book comes out, I'd be more than happy to come out to your coast. <laughs> we might just have to do that. Yeah, right. Hey. Yeah, you know, do you, find some you guys have given me such glowing reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Come out and see the hottie read poetry. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that, that will be the poster. Yeah, and you go at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, um, how, well, how no can some... What's that? Well, how can someone what? I was going to say, how can someone get in touch with you um, if they're looking to possibly um, contact you for a reading or, you know, just, you know, get in touch with you? Um, I have a website. Um, okay. Yeah, um, brianbankston.com, um, which is um, B-R-I-A-N, B as in boy, E-N-G, T as in Tom, S-O-N. Okay. And and dot com or they can also um get me on my email address which is Bingston Brian um B E N G T S O N same word B R I A N at hotmail dot com. Now Brian you also have a blog on your website and is that um kind of like a sneak peek of your poetry? Is, like do yeah. poems that make it there don't make it in the book? Um sometimes. Or a different version of it. That right. at least gives me it gives me a way of seeing what it looks like in print, right. and so you know can that out too. Yeah, and that, you know, and if people like it, they can leave um, your messages. Right now, uh, on my blog, I have a um, a story about what I did on what happened with me on nine eleven, and um, I was still here in Omaha, but I had a friend who was um, in hospice care during all that. It was very strange. Um, he was actually kind of glad to be leaving um, us after that happened. So, mm-hmm. You know, it was just very strange. Well, there you have it. Well, Brian, thanks for sitting in and, and reading your beautiful poetry yeah. to us. Jeremy, oh, great. Well, thank, it. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, 
Sorry, no one else called, but. Oh, that's no, it's totally fine. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you can actually buy it. Yeah, it's just totally fine. They um they know where they can contact you, and and a lot of people, are, some people are in the chat room here, and other people are listening other places. So, um, it's all good. Thank you for okay. uh, sharing your story and your poetry with us. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, thanks for providing so much. this. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye, Brian. Thank you. Can, Find Brian at BrianBingston.com. That's Brian, B-E-N-G-T-S-O-N.com. And, wow, that was amazing. I, I'm a big poetry person myself, so uh, I like I like reading other people's poetry, but it's even nice when it's read to you. <laughs> you know, there's something just so much better about it. I don't know. <laughs> and what's funny is that in college I took a poetry writing class, and 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 I mean it when I say and when I and this will be the third time and the last time I'll say this, but poetry is a talent that not everyone shares. And I, I was able to get a couple of good things out, but my gosh, it's it's, it's such a difficult medium to write in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I mean, ugh, lordy, because it's got. Tempo and it's the time. You know what? Give me prose any old day. You know, <laughs> I can put in commas and periods, and I can make a complete sentence. And but I think that that Brian did a go out and get his books. Absolutely. I've been to his website. Um, I've read. You know, just hearing him read some of those some of his poems. Um, <clears throat> just I'm going to have to go out and get his books. Yeah, people can get it, like I said, either uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Book that on the radio show page, and it'll take you right there. Um, or you can go right to his website at brianbingston.com, and it's all there. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about tonight um, was the vaccine. That the vaccine. Hit the, the, that hit the, hit the headlines, um, you know, this week. Um, that happened in Thailand with about 16,000 volunteers. Yep. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, sure. Um, now, so here, here's the thing about the vaccine, right? It's, it's a combination of two vaccines that actually failed independently, so they combined them. And um, <clears throat> the, gosh, it, it, the, how do I, so about 16,000 people, um, were in a in a blind study, which means that some received the vaccine and some received a placebo. All right. All right. And um, thirty. So the vaccine was shown to cut the infection uh, rate of about thirty-one percent, while the vaccine didn't meet the research goals of fifty percent. The the whole, the whole, the whole success of it, if you will, though being as as mediocre as it was, is still a step forward. So um, there, this is going to open up to a lot of new science and new studies. Right, and the vaccine itself actually isn't available for medical use because it doesn't meet the percentage criteria to be licensed to be used for medical use, which is usually between, I think they said, 50 and 80%. Right, and it it was well below that. Right. So, And what they were also trying to figure out is is even though it was a 31% by, you know, cut rate of infection or risk of infection of 31%, um, there were still about 57 people that did contract HIV that were receiving the vaccine. So they're, they want to go back and take a look at those 57 people and compare them against the ones that did not um, become HIV infected and find out what that commonality was and what that common link um, was in in these folks' genetics and their chemical makeup, you know this, because we're all we're all molecules when it comes down to it. Atoms and molecules—that's what makes us, you know, human. 
Yeah, and the one thing that they, they said that not only was this like a big breakthrough and huge news for the HIV and AIDS community, but it was for vaccines in general because they don't usually, I think, I don't, from what I gather, they don't mix like two vaccines that didn't work together and not try it normally. out before. Yeah. Right, not so normally. So they can try this with other ones. Yeah, and, and this vaccine was, was a, um, an efficacy um, trial, which means they were looking at the effectiveness right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a proof of concept. It wasn't, um, it, 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 what it, and it wasn't a, uh, well, I should say what it was. It was one of the largest human studies of a vaccine ever. And this was done in Thailand because in the United States, we have some ethics rules and about, you know, you know, doing this kind of thing, because so here, so here's the thing about HIV, right? You get it through sex, drugs, or intravenous drug use, um, unprotected sex, uh, and and you know where the blood and, and things are mixing. So the risk of infection was still very high because you're still engaging in these unsafe practices. So so the ethics question comes up is were people being asked to risk them their, you know, to do other things besides, you know, sit through this vaccine. So th- there's there's still some questions to be asked, right? Yeah. And because, you know, it's a big ethical question. You know, we know that, you know, not having sex, abstinence, abstinence only is, will, will work every time. But if we know that people are going to be human and they're going to interact and they're going to do things, then what do we do? So I, I think that still is the question, but, but uh, the the whole the whole vaccine itself, um, the study combined um, HIV negative men who men and women who were between the ages of 18 and 30, um, they were all in good health and all at an average risk of becoming infected. So they weren't at a greater risk, and they weren't at a not so great. They were at an average risk, average risk of becoming infected. Um, they were, in, in, again, they were counseled about against having unsafe sex and intravenous drug use. They were allowed to drop out at any time, and no other conditions or limitations were applied. So um, they, they had, what was it, 16,000 people, and then about half of them were on a placebo, and the other half, or or 54% or whatever it was, was on the actual vaccine. And I think the vaccine was he was was given it an initial round, and then there was a booster round. I think. Hmm. Um. So, and again, the. The the vaccine was 31 percent effective, more effective than the placebo. Okay, <laughs> so that is a huge step. It, it's a huge step forward, but it's not a vaccine yet. Right. So because it's it, because now they have to look at all of this stuff. They have to. They have to go back and study. I, I would say we're we're still many years away from a, a from a real vaccine that will work. Um, and also, I want to explain one other thing to anybody who's listening: is that a vaccine is not a cure. All right. So a right. vaccine will not cure anyone who has the virus. It a vaccine is a preventative. It will prevent you from getting, from catching up. It's very much like a flu vaccine, right? Right. So if you get a flu shot, odds are you'll probably not get that strain of flu that they vaccinated you for. 
okay? So, and that's what a vaccine does, is it, it, it prevents you from catching the disease. It will not cure it. So there's, so there's two fronts that, excuse me, <clears throat> there's two fronts that we're all trying to figure out here, right? There, there's the cure, and then there's the vaccine for those who aren't infected and to keep them from becoming infected. So there, there's a lot of, there's lots of stuff going on, and, and I think there's a lot of good stuff happening and a lot of good science going on. I think the thing that bugged me the most is the way that they, they, the way that they showed it on the news, like they had the vaccine, like it was done. And, right. You know what I mean? And, and that's a little, I don't know if you want to false advertising, but it just kind of led, gave well, me the wrong message when I it, tuned it, into it. It's, you know? It's sensationalist news, you know. <laughs> What's the most sensational headline we can throw out there? So, and it's modest results. These are modest results. It's it's a step forward, absolutely. But let's put things in perspective and let's be real about this. Right. You know, so these are things that we kind of have to pull back and, and – consider when we're talking about this and when they do when they show it like that and advertise it like that and put out that kind of a message it's sending people the message that who aren't infected that you know now that there's nothing for them to worry about because there's a vaccine it just drives me nuts one of the other um things that kind of broke the headlines uh, i want to say probably within the last month i actually posted a blog on september 15th so it would say two weeks ago um, about Elton John who wanted to adopt an HIV positive child in the Ukraine. Yep. And that he said that he was too old and too gay to adopt the child. They don't yeah. like they don't allow gay people to adopt children in the in right. the Ukraine. Um, neither does the state of Oklahoma. Well that's crazy. So it's not just Ukrainians but neither does the state of Oklahoma, and there's also a couple other states in the United States of America that will not allow um, gay people to adopt. So um, Ukraine, Ukraine, it just happens. The, the, I think, what was it? It was um, the Ukrainian church. One of the folks over there said that he was um, too gay. Yeah, exactly what I have um that the Ukrainians haven't been known for their tolerance of homosexuality. Um, and what else did they say? Elton John will not be able to adopt, and if he files that request, we will unfortunately deny it, said Ukraine's family, youth, and sports minister. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> Yuri Pavelenko. Foreign citizens who are single have no right to adopt children. And the age difference between the adopter and the child cannot be more than 45 years. The law is the same for everybody, for the president, for the minister, or for Elton John. I mean, I just think that that, you know, HIV-positive child could be in such a loving, caring environment and not be in, the, in, in a system of adoption. And, and for them to take away and not allow that kid to have, you know, a great life because you know Elton John would do wondrous oh. things for that child, right? And you know there, there's there, there's a couple of issues right at play here. It's one, it's they're pulling our heartstrings, and, and that, please don't take this the wrong way. Um, <laughs> they're they're playing the heartstrings bit by saying, well, you know, this poor little baby that has AIDS would go to a decent home, blah 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 blah. And then they're, you know, they're playing the other angle is, well, Ukraine is just, you know, this totalitarian country that they don't let gay people adopt. And, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, they, they're doing what Ukraine chooses to do and enforce their law. The same as the Oklahoma will, and I think Arkansas does. There's so we have what we have to do is we have to go and see if we can get those laws changed. Now the real victim here isn't Elton John. The real right. victim here is that poor little baby. Right. 
that probably won't get adopted by someone in the Ukraine um, or may not get adopted at all and will spend the rest of his childhood, whatever that childhood might be, in in an orphanage. That's a shame because, you know, I, I just feel like any child that is in, you know, that needs that one that is in the system to be adopted and has an opportunity to be adopted. I don't care what you are, what your sexual orientation, what color, where you're at. If you can provide a good life for a baby, I think that you should be able to adopt. And I, I, I agree. Crap. I crap absolutely agree. <laughs> yep, I absolutely agree. I, I think it's crap too. I, you know, it's just, it's not fair to that poor kid. Yeah. You know, and now, he's such a cutie too. My, my personally, I don't want a child. Yeah. I love children when they can go home to their prospective parents. (laughs) (laughs) I am just too much of a selfish person for that. You like being the uncle, huh? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of of swings me into um, to talk about this Wednesday's coming up show, our last Wednesday show. Um, We're going to have a gentleman on by the name of Tracy Williams, and he is a Canadian who is HIV positive gay, married, and has two children. So he's going to come on and talk about, you know, being what it's like being HIV positive up in Canada and having, you know, the, the free health insurance and being, you know, a married gay man and just what that life is like because a lot of people who are positive and gay and don't have that relationship or have, you know, someone to share their life with always wonders if that's ever going to happen again. And then when, you know, people share their story that are, in relationships with children, I think it just offers a lot of hope to people who struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 my hat's off to anyone who decides to become a parent, who chooses to become a parent, um, because that is a big, big job. Uh, it, it just, it's, but it's not for me. <laughs> I, I, you know. I love my nieces and nephews and cousins, all the little ones. They're great. I'm just not they're a great. parent. Yeah, they're great. I'm just not a parent. I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent. I'm a bad influence. <laughs> I would let my kid probably drink beer in bed and smoke cigarettes and things like that. Uh, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I probably would. Yeah. Oh, you're funny. You'd be the cool parent. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the cool parent. I mean, my gosh, Charlie, my dog. Are you kidding? I let her smoke. She loves it. She sits out on the balcony. She's puffing away. She 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 loves it. I'm so, kidding. Um, By the way, sure. anybody who's listening to this, I do not let my dog smoke. So please do not call the ASPCA on me. Do not send you know the animal control. I am just kidding. Right. So and I also want to remind people um, that the, our next the show next week, we will be, me, you, and Jack, will be sitting down with Dr. Frank Spinelli, who is a clinical doctor um, of HIV services in New York City, and he's also um, a columnist for theadvocate.com. He also Did I mention that he's hot? He also has a book called um, The Advocate, A Guide to Gay Men's Health and Wellness. And he's going to talk a lot about facial wasting and sculpture because he, I think he specializes in that. So you're going to, you know, we're going to have a doctor here where people can call in and ask questions and, and, and get real professional answers from somebody who knows what they're talking about. Not us. <laughs> what do you somebody who has, the, who has the degree to back it up, you know? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is he just lost a web series um, on theadvocate.com called Ask the Doctor, and he does HIV specials on it, so they can go check that out um, over at theadvocate.com. Um Jeremy, we're winding down. I uh, just remind everybody that they can uh, join the POSIM community, which is our little, I guess, fan site um, where you can find support um, at www.posim.com. Jeremy can be found at Positively Speaking with a Z.com. It's all and in the chat room. All in the chat room. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And our guest tonight was Brian Bingston. Uh, thank you Brian. for. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thank you so much for calling in and, and speaking with us tonight. You, you, I was, it was thrilled. Awesome. He was great. Yeah, go to 
Go to his website, get his book, go to Amazon, <laughs> get it all. Uh, Jeremy, get it have all. a great night, and um, all right. I'll see you next week with Jack. Sounds good. All right. See you next right. week, everybody. Bye. Bye.